Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by our wonderful guest, John Leguizamo, to talk all about his series, The Power. And in in the way that you've approached this this role and this character, you know, it's it's a show that has all these sci-fi elements with the specific power that all these women start to inherit and absorb into their bodies. But at, at the end of the day, when we look at your character, Rob, there's such a granular, grounded element of it's a dad just trying to kind of make his marriage work and make things work at home and to be successful in his job, but to do it in a way that feels morally right to him. Um, and so I was interested in how that really helped you in terms of developing the character and, and grounding it and finding a lot of the really intimate aspects of who he is throughout the show. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that you that you spotted that because, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like my job as an actor uh, was to be grounded, to be the most grounded, normal, uh, regular guy in, in, in the madness that is going around me. You know, how do I, I keep my wits about me and then and then lose it, of course, obviously, because, you know, the whole world is, is, is an apocalyptic situation. Uh, you know, the girls are getting this power and the world doesn't know how to deal with it. Men don't know how to deal with it. And and uh, they're starting to corral them. And my daughter has a power and she's got a lot of power. And are they going to, you know, ostracize her? Are they going to cage her up? I mean, I'm dealing with a lot of issues like like you do as a dad, you know, as, as a dad, you, you, you do got to deal with a lot of stuff and you got to keep your cool. You got to you got to be the life coach. But, you know, you, but you're a regular dude, so you can't really keep it all under. You know, you can't really all con- contain it all. It all has to it explodes now and then, you know. But it, but as you said, when everything kind of starts growing in terms of the landscape of the entire world and it not just being something in his family um, at the beginning, it feels like, again, he's he's very grounded through his experience of it because he understands that this is happening across the country, across the world, you know, to, to thousands, to millions of women. But it feels like he really understands the fact that every single person that that's happening to is someone's wife, someone's daughter, someone's family yeah. member, because he has that experience of, of kind of watching his own daughter try to to navigate through it. And so for you, was was that kind of a central part in the way that he responds to the fact that this becomes a worldwide phenomenon? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think my character, Rob, is very empathic anyway. He's a very sympathetic kind of dude because uh, he's a doctor and, you know, and uh uh, on, on, on a scientific front, he's doing a lot of, a lot of experiments, but, but yeah, you're right because it hits, it's at home, it's happening at home and to uh, his eldest and he's, you know, the dad of three kids. And, and, uh, obviously when, when you become a parent, every child becomes your child. I mean, that's how I feel. anyway. I feel like now since I have kids, every child that I see suffering all of a sudden, you know, I can't watch anything with kids suffering. Cause you know, you start weeping and it, and it just breaks your heart. So, yeah, I think, and then he has a problem at home. Now you're really sympathetic to all the girls in the world. And from the very first moment that he starts to to see this taking place in his daughter, even before he kind of fully knows or understands what it is, he, like you said, he's, he's a very compassionate person and that's the way that he responds to his daughter. He doesn't come at it from a place of fear. He comes from a place of, right. you know, tell me what this is like and curiosity and let me make the space for you. And um, did, did you always have a definitive idea for how he was going to respond in those first few scenes or did you have different directions that you considered for him? Yeah, you know, it, it, I was trying to find a place in my in myself where I, I could be shocked by it, but not show it. You know what I mean? I think I had to be uh, the grounded dad, you know, and while, while the world's collapsing. So, I mean, I, I, I was trying to also be shocked inside 
that my daughter has this this nuclear power in her hands from her skein. Uh, but I but I couldn't show it because I have to be, you know, the, the the best dad that I can, you know. And I, and I relate to that in my real life because that's what happens. It's like everything everything is falling apart. Everything is collapsing around your house and you have to act like like it's not bothering you, like you're okay. Meanwhile, you're inside, you're you're in serious turmoil. With, you know, with, with that idea of kind of the, the internal turmoil, I love the scene where he's standing there with Margot, with his wife played by Tony Collette and their daughter, and they're kind of saying, you know, we'll show us. And he's standing there very trepidatiously though with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> so it's like, we've created the space, but also I'm aware of fire safety. I'm terrified. <laughs> Was a scene like that really helpful for for what you were describing just there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's like going to test her power for the first time. We heard that it could be like a nuclear blast or or just static shock. But we don't know what's going to come out of her hands. And so, yeah, I'm like with a fire extinguisher, you know, soaking up the whole entire place because I'm terrified. And with his daughter, Joss, you know, even just from the fact that he's the parent who's who's physically more present because of how much his wife's job takes her out of the home a lot more. Um, right. There's kind of this this shared language that he has with his daughter, Joss. Um, you know, and some of that is the fact that they speak Spanish, but Margot doesn't speak Spanish. So there's a literal language. But even just kind of when they're in the car and he's singing along to a tribe called Quest and she's embarrassed, but she kind of also like sees that that's something <laughs> exciting to him and, yeah. and can kind of like break out of being a teenager a little bit um for you what what was some of the the vital shared language that you wanted the two of them to have well yeah i mean i definitely the hip-hop uh angle because that's what i was doing on the set all the time was playing hip-hop and dancing with the three kids or my kids and we were teaching each other we're doing the floss we're doing you know all all the moves the dougie we we, you know we were doing we were doing all the moves so we did that on our spare time and the writers saw that and put it into the piece. So it was a great bonding moment because we were doing that naturally. So that, that felt really special. And then Ali is such a great actress and and she plays that sort of annoyed with the dad, but kind of likes it a little bit because it's a thing they've shared all their lives. So she played that so beautifully. And then the Spanish too, we, she and I would rehearse our Spanish and, and work on it. So it, it, I did have a real bond with these kids. You know, I, I, I studied with Lee Strasberg and... Um, for a very a little bit of time because I'm not that old, but <laughs> but you know you you got to really be method and you got I believe you got to I spent as much time with those kids so that I could feel like they were my kids you know I I need, I'd spend as much we would go to dinners together all my free time between takes or between scene setups we'd be together and they were cool with it too and and we created that bond and we really felt close to each other I mean I, I really cared for them. And you can't, you, that's the only way, because you can't fake that on film. You can't, I mean, I yeah. can't. No, absolutely. And, you know, you're bringing up studying at Lee Strasberg. What were some of the other aspects and elements that came into play in terms of, from that study, how you approached this role in, in this series in particular? I'm so glad you asked me that. It's just so exciting to me because I'm very proud of my uh, acting classes and, and all the people I studied with. I studied, you know, Meisner Technique and and Stella Adler with intentions, Uda Hagen, previous circumstances. So I'm, I'm an acting nerd. Uh, and, and the method uh, obviously helped me, especially when I do my one-man shows. I'm on, I'm on stage by myself. I'm not on, by myself because of the incredible imagination and environment that you learn how to create sensorially from the method. I know I'm, I'm geeking out on, on, <laughs> on acting technique. But yeah, you know, I used a lot of, of the method here, you know, uh, in, in terms of, 
the 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 drunk when I was really drunk, that was all like method. You know, I you know I got drunk the night before, not the, not the night that I did the scene because I've learned early on in my career that you get really drunk, then you can't remember your lines. Then I had a lot of lines, and then you you get really tired, <laughs> you have no energy. So I learned it's better to act it than than not. Then so yeah, you know, I I sensorially created the 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 drunkenness and the exhaustion and. Yeah, it is, it's, I, I use it for everything. I, I love that you studied all those different techniques, though. And do you find that depending on the project you do depends on which tools you're pulling from which particular technique and which particular space? Absolutely. Different uh, writing uh, styles of writing demand different techniques. You know, you can always mix, mix and match. You know, I mean, you, it's, it's really whatever works at that moment. Sometimes you don't need anything because it's just you're so connected and you're so there. And then sometimes nothing is working and then, and you're like, you know, you're panicking and freaking out. You go, oh, I'll use panicking and freaking out. That's what this scene's going to be. That's what it's calling for. And that I kind of learned from the method was like, whatever you're feeling at that moment is the truth of that scene. There isn't another truth, which is, I guess, the mistake a lot of actors make thinking that what they're feeling isn't, re- isn't right for the character. Mm-hmm. I, I love those details. And, you know, going back to the scene that you were just bringing up before the the drunken scene for him as a character, seems like that are always so great because it tells you a lot of the truth of, of how they're really feeling in a way that they maybe aren't expressing themselves in other moments. And so for you, what was a lot of the, the truthfulness that you wanted to bring to the surface in a scene like that, where he's just so obliterated drunk that he's jumping into the water yeah. and swimming for a sense of freedom that he doesn't feel like he has? Well, I, I, I got to say, I got to pay tribute to the the great writing and directing, you know, uh, which was amazing because, you know, um, here, here is this production, which is written by women, produced by women, directed by women. Uh, it, w- it was incredible. And, and you felt, I felt very protected and very nurtured and, 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 and I felt heard. Um, and uh, they wrote this incredible scene. I mean, the scenes have such emotional intelligence. I've never really had scripts like this. With it, where were they? They're like, were they listening in, in my house? Did they have speakers or a camera? Because it feels so real. So in, in this scene where I had to be drunk and, and and my wife and I, Tony, played by Tony Collette, are not getting along from all the stress of her. You know, she's an ambitious woman, mayor of, of, of Seattle, wanting to move up. Her daughter's having all these issues, the world, there's so much turmoil and and she and I are not connecting. We're not talking. We're not sharing as it happens in real life. And and so we go to this party that I don't want to go to, uh, uh, you know, a a business party. And I get too drunk because I I just feel disconnected and I and and nobody wants to talk to me because I'm not a in politics. I'm a doctor and uh, I get too drunk. And and then I and we get home and 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 the shit goes crazy. You know, the, the shit hits the fan. Pardon the the vulgarity and and this is i let it i let all the steam out i let i let it all out and and uh but then you know we were able to get to the truth which is that we really love each other and we really love the kids and we want to do the right thing and we've been trying to do the right thing coming from different purposes but we weren't connecting and and we realized we love each other and then i jump into the bay the vancouver bay you know 40 degree water <laughs> And I'm like, oh God, at 4 a.m. in the morning, the things you do for acting, you know, you're like, this is, this is, this is the glamour. Where, where's the glamour? But also the way that you're describing their marriage as well, you know, even though we start to get to see moments of turmoil between the two of them and, and kind of a disintegration of communication, 
they're two people where we get to see the communication that is there and does exist. And we get to see moments of how they try to handle conflict and that they're always trying to find their way back to each other. And they're always trying to find that communication with one another. Was that something that really struck you in the writing of the relationship and helped you to form it with Tony? Yeah. I thought that was the beauty of the writing and working with Tony Collette, who's so present, you know, I mean, she's incredibly present. So any inflection, any little glance, Whatever you're giving, she's picking up. And that's, you know, that's that's the acting that I love. You know, like I I, I, I first experienced that was with Pacino in, in Carlito's Way when I was a young man. And and, and I was improvising all this madness because Brian De Palma gave me carte blanche because he loved the craziness that I was saying. And but Pacino was there listening to every inflection, every nuance and responding to it. And I was like, ah, oh, that's beautiful acting is like you're right there responding to what's right there not what you imagined not what you expected not what you thought but what's right there and what's what's hitting you and working with Tony Collette in those scenes that's what we were feeling with each other is like feeling each other out really caring for each other because she and I also did a little bit of method we spent a lot of time together you know in breaks to create that marriage because you can't fake that either you got to feel comfortable with somebody and when you look in in their eyes you got to really care you know i mean and, and part of that is hanging out hopefully you know sometimes you don't get along with with the other person and then it's a, it's, it's a tough gig hopefully it's a bad marriage so that you can use it but but that idea of the presence that you have to have in terms of building scenes like that and especially building a relationship as as richly written as this one is um you know the the two of you didn't really get a chance to rehearse before and kind of like sit down with your characters and so was that kind of the way that the two of you found a lot of the idiosyncrasies? Because even just like the body language of the way that he kind of fixes a wound on her ankle and puts a Band-Aid on is very intimate. And so you really capture that through a lot of their body language and the way that they kind of move together in scenes. I mean, you, 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 I mean, it's incredible how much you, you pick up. You pick up. I mean, you've got a, obviously a, a sharp eye. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to, <clears throat> in, the, in the few scenes that we had, uh, before our marriage starts falling apart was to show the tenderness and care that, that, you know, as, as a married couple, you know, you know, you're all you're in a relationship that when you care about somebody, the way you touch each other, it says a lot, even if you're fixing something or brushing hair, you, there is, there's, there's messaging the way that you, you touch each other that tells people, the audience that you love each other, that there's love, that, that there's a sensorial connection that and they're comfortable with each other to touch each other. And we start to learn that a lot of his frustrations are just feeling like he always is showing up for her, but the space isn't being created for him. You know, the, the fact that she doesn't ask him how his day is, but he asks her how her day was whenever they sit down to dinner, mm-hmm. whenever they're on the home together. And so kind of knowing that that was the direction that the marriage was going in and that those were his frustrations, how did you set about making sure that, you know, as a character, Rob was always creating that space and kind of setting it up for her so that we really feel it as an audience with when we, when he starts to bring up the fact that he doesn't feel like that's being reciprocated. Well, 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 well the, the, the brilliant thing is that the writers did was uh, they kind of flipped it a little bit, you know, in terms of that scene is usually the woman saying to the man, you don't listen to me. You don't ask me about my day. And they flipped it because I, I'm a little bit of a Mr. Mom in this relationship, which I, I love playing because uh, it, it resembles a little bit of, of my life for certain times. Because, um, you know, men are finally moving into a place where they take more responsibility in the, in the home and raising the kids. And, and it creates this new connection, this, 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 this 
um, like a tighter relationship between uh, kids and, and, and parents and, and men, men and their children. And uh, so here I am in, the, in these scenes with, with Tony Collect and we're trying to plant all the love, you know, so, so that there's an arc to our, to our relationship. So it's not already broken when you start. It's already, it's, it's a relationship that's full of love and tenderness that then because of her, her ambition and because this is the beauty of, of the show that women are writing about women, they, they, they can have ambition and still be moms, but it can still cause a lot of problems at home. Mm-hmm. Not not because I'm I'm a a machista or 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 or, or part of the patriarchy. I, I think Rob was built in a way that he's not part of the patriarchy. That there are men who are sympathetic to women's uh, uh, progress and women's uh, a- ambition and and being the the alpha in in the relationship or you know if there's such a thing. But I, but I love the I love this the, the way they created Rob as as a new male as a new masculinity. You know the the sensitive masculine, the nurturing ma- 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 male, the um, the caring male that that and because you know I see that everywhere. I see a lot of men adopting that new uh, masculinity and rejecting the alpha, the old school. You know, like you know, you got to be the top dog, doggy dog. I'm the boss. You know, everybody else is not the boss. I run things. This is my. You know, the old uh, Jackie Gleason. Ah, knock you to the moon, Alice. Get at hey, Ralphie Book. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. No, I agree, agree with everything that you're saying about him. And even to the point of the fact that when their marriage starts to disintegrate, it doesn't feel like it's because he's threatened by her running for Senate and running for a higher position and and any of that. It feels like it's because, you know, she didn't consult the family and she didn't talk to him. And so the communication that was there just isn't existing between them. Oh my God, and it's it, so brilliant. That little nuance is so brilliant because it, right. It's yeah. not that he is uncomfortable with her power and her ambition he's not he loves it the the problem is that she didn't consult with him she didn't include him in her decisions and anybody would be upset in a relationship it, it's it's like a fair gripe it's fair beef you know what i mean because it, it's not uh sort of toxic masculinity it's it's like you know we're in a relationship together we're partners we need to talk about everything before you make a decision you know that's it's 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 a fair gripe i i felt no, absolutely. And, you know, in, in the meantime as well, he's he's raising three kids and and his son is kind of going down a path of, of being taken into a certain vocabulary on the internet, which in the show is a site called Urban Docs that's talking about the very stereotypical sense of masculinity and kind of needing to reclaim that. Um, and it, it's interesting because some of some of the moments that that we kind of get the sense of Rob being there and kind of parenting his son and kind of trying to talk to him about that don't necessarily happen on screen. But for you, kind of what were the important dynamics that you wanted him to have with his son, especially as his son starts going down this trajectory? Yeah, I mean, so interesting that the trajectory that that the, that the boys going and and what their ta- the writers were tapping into and the producers was this incel, you know, white uh, usually white males. Uh, but I mean, it happens to all, 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 a lot of young males who are who are feeling disconnected and who feel alone and feel um, that their masculinity is not valid or, you know, you know, it, it, it is a thing. It is a thing, especially in America. And to tap into that. So with my son in, in, in the show, uh, uh, who's a great the, the kid's brilliant actor, um, I, I, I was I was trying to. Just to be a lit to listen instead of giving advice, you know, like the typical 
like the mistakes when I when I go to therapy and my, and my therapist tells me, my, you know, stop giving advice, listen to your kids, ask them questions. So, I, you know, you, you borrow from life when you're acting. And, and that's what I, so I tried to do those things is be more present and listening than, than always giving the answers, trying to find solutions, which is, you know, kind of a male go-to that you can't help. It's like, it's kind of like program, but you have to like break that. <laughs> And and with with the trajectory in terms of his professional life, where he has a meeting with someone and he basically learns like there's an intention to create a medication that would completely eradicate this in women wow. and kind of remove this organ, the skin that exists in them. Um, it feels like there's no kind of thought process before he decides to leak that information. He the first things he does is call an old friend from school and and makes that very distinct choice of I'm going to leak this information because it's too important and it's bigger than me. And then it feels like he kind of assesses that choice a little bit more afterwards, not to a point where he regrets it, but just kind of in understanding the ramifications of it. And so how did you want to create that, that retroactive consideration? Yeah. I mean, that's why, because he, he becomes a whistleblower and, uh, and it's a, uh, it's a dangerous move in life to be a whistleblower because you, you can wreck your, your, your career everything you work for. Um, and, and the consequences are huge. You usually can't get a job. You usually, I mean, uh, and then it's dangerous too. I mean, depending on, on the career path or, or, or a political thing and you become a whistleblower, there's a lot of dangers to that. There's a lot of maniacs out there who, who want to take you out. And, and so I, I think they were tapping into that. And I was trying to figure out Rob's moral righteousness he's got a very he's, he's got an incredible uh, moral compass you know and uh and he wants to do the right thing and he wants to do it at all you know and risking everything I, I i think it's it's i think it his sense of doing the right thing is, is bigger than his family it's bigger than himself and and it taps into how, how some people do that how some people risk everything to do the right thing because they can't live with themselves. And, uh, and then Rob starts to think about, Oh, now I'm, I might've made a huge mistake and brought violence towards my family and disrupted my marriage. Cause I didn't consult my wife, you know, the very thing that I'm asking her to consult, I'm not, not consulting. So it's beautiful. How they created all these little human frailties and, and faults, ha- character flaws. I also appreciate the fact that they create some some levity to the character as well. You know, even just the fact that when he's on the phone with Declan, he's like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if I had a special code name, like a color and an animal and, <laughs> yeah. you know, or the the scene on their anniversary where he kind of gives Margot something to smash. And then he's like, oh, go get the Ikea plates. Like, let's, let's <laughs> both do this because I want to play as well. And so was it important to you as well to make sure that you had those moments of kind of levity and lightness in the character as much as the rest of the storyline? Yeah, I, I love the humor that they brought into especially when I was drunk and I'm screaming and the neighbors are flipping out and the kids come out to see us and I'm just losing it, you know, like a top, top, I'm going at a hundred miles per hour. Uh, I, I love the humor everywhere. And then I jump into to the bay, you know, and I'm swimming away. Uh, I, I love all the humor because it, it exists in life. You know I mean? Uh, no matter what, uh, how, how dark a moment it is that you got to find the humor. I, I feel like that's, the, that's the best writing. The, the 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 best directing the best acting is 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 undercut things and find counterpoints so like if you're doing something very hilarious and funny it's better if you find real emotion you know and real pain that just makes it even funnier i think and 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 just more relatable but the same 
conversely happens in drama, then you got to find that Brando in, in Streetcar in Desire, those little moments of, of humor and, and glint in your eye and wordplay that, that so, sort of goes against the drama and the pain. Definitely. And, and in terms of, of kind of the emotional truthfulness, what were the important emotional aspects for you in the moment where Rob first discovers that his wife now has the power? And then especially the fact that her, his daughter was the one that gave it to her because it's something where it's my wife hasn't been truthful. I don't know how long I haven't known. And then also my daughter was part of this. And what does that mean for the family dynamic as a whole? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big scene for me because it was, uh, I think a, a big betrayal for, for my character, Rob on, on my wife's part, but then no, no, knowing that my daughter also sort of was either didn't, didn't feel like that. I was, I didn't, I didn't count. You know, it's sort of like Rob, the dad doesn't matter. You know, I felt discounted. Uh, but it was a big shocking moment for me. And I had to play that. I had to give it the, the right weight. So you could, so you could clock these moments without them being big, you know, histrionic moments, but they had to be registered for the audience to, to see Rob's arc where he's going to go in episodes eight and nine, you know, and you know, you know where that's going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And when he, you know, speaking of, of the later episodes as well, when he takes the family camping and sits down and has the conversation with Margot where he tells her, I'll stay with you through the political campaign, but after that I'm done, I want a divorce. Um, what what was the dynamic between you and Tony in filming a scene like that that's, you know, again, it, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Like you still feel the love that he has for this woman in this moment and you also feel the hurt and the pain that he's been experiencing as well. Yeah, that 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 was that scene was very important for for Tony and me, uh, Tony Collette and myself, uh, to get it right. And by getting it right, I, I meant that you see their whole life um, is at a crossroads. Their marriage, their future, their 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 kids' future, the future of the planet. I mean, it's all there uh, weighing on us. And, and, and the audience, we wanted the audience to know that we did love each other and we still love each other. We just can't be together. The marriage is, 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 is not working anymore. And how painful that is for, for anybody in a real relationship when you love somebody and you know you can't, it just doesn't work. And, and it's, you're, you're worse together than you are, you know, than you were before. Now, you, now you're kind of toxic with each other in a little bit. And it's, that's not good for the kids. It's not good for each other. It's it's not good for anybody, and and to be able to to understand that, we we had you know we had to experience a lot of pain. You know, you had to go to those places that that really hurt. And Tony went there, and I and I and I tried to go there. You know, and and I feel like we really achieved that. It was it was it was it was you know we had to hug each other a lot after after these scenes, and the, and you could tell the crew was also it was a very everybody was feeling it, and we were all very quiet and. Yeah, yeah, and then the director hugged this Logan, and it, and, you, and it felt good to get a little sort of comfort. Yeah, and it, it's it's an interesting space to watch the scenes that follow that, where he's still showing up for her, but there's that distance, and especially in spaces where they can't allow anybody else to know that that's what's going on in their marriage, such as right. when they're filming a political piece in their <laughs> their kitchen, and you can see kind of how everything that's going on makes him a little bit flustered in trying to yeah. deliver. And so how did you find what that space was going to be of still showing up for her, but, but having a certain kind of quiet undercurrent of distance at the same time? Well, you know, uh, 
I'm on my second marriage, so uh, I experienced a lot of that in my my first marriage, where you're, uh, you know, you got to keep up appearances um, for your friends and for family, and even though you know you both know that it's over, uh, and you're just holding on, and uh, you know, Rob obviously has the, the my character has the responsibility for his kids too. You know, he's so he's got that extra burden that you know you don't want you don't want to you want to be those parents that are fighting and 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 destroying everything and destroying the the, the kid the, the kids uh image of the parents and you you got to keep it together even though it hurts being together now more than than ever uh so we you know we 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 we, we you know at that point me and tony stopped hanging out you know because i i am very method about it and, and she she is too in, in her way and so we stopped hanging out we stopped spending time together i stopped goofing you know, I was like always very alone in my trailer or alone as, as possible on set and trying to sit with that pain so that it's sort of when you when you when they say action, it's right there. And, you know, and she and she saw that I I was not comfortable being near her. I was not comfortable wanting to touch her. I, I, it, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we played all those little nuances as best we could. We could. Yeah. And when when he has the moment where in support of her campaign, he's doing an interview and there's even just that decisive moment where he starts to give the reporter his email address to send the article once it's done and then has that moment of actually I'll give you my personal email address. That's kind of opening a door. And so what was the shift for the character for you in terms of that being a very decisive choice that he's making in that moment, even though it's a very small one? That's that's a that's a tough that's a tough moment because I felt like oh man, uh, uh, I I I'm shifting into dog mode. You know what I mean? He's like Rob. Rob's being a dude. He's like uh, making sure that he is not going to be alone. You know what I mean? Even though his he tried he tried the best he could of his marriage, but now he's going to start taking care of Rob. So yeah, you know that was that was a tough moment for me. You know because to to be that kind of character is, is you know you see that his weaknesses now you see this guy is is actually a little weaker he's not he's not the great dude you thought you know so i had to reveal that and uh yeah so he let the his his animal take over and you know not 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 the best side of rob and with all the different layers that you had to build into the character and and the kind of like different emotional directions that you had to take him, what what were the details and aspects that building into this role that challenged you the most in retrospect? Uh, I, I, I did the challenging moments were the big fights. Those were the biggest challenging. How do we keep those grounded? How do we keep those real? How do we keep uh, make sure that that the audience is scoring? you know, our relationship correctly, that we're taking them through the every little step that dissolves a marriage, like, like a beautiful marriage, not a, not a toxic Virginia Woolf marriage, but, you know, so, so, something that's, that's uh, that a really caring marriage that, that could have worked forever and now isn't. Uh, so I want to make sure that they saw those little moments where, where it's starting to get toxic, where it's starting to uh, not work, where they're not, going to patch it up where it's they, they're going to that path of no return and i want to make sure that they saw that that from the love to the uh trying to work it out together to the little heartbreaks to the point where okay now we've got we've reached, reached a point where we can't we can't be together it's just not good anymore 
Yeah. I really, really loved watching your performance throughout the series. And so oh, thank and you. Thank such you. a pleasure to hear all these details that went into it. Thank you so much, John. Oh, thank you. I mean, you, 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 the way you described it and watched it is so detailed that it made it easy to talk about. Thank you. Thank you for really studying it. I appreciate that.